0: of uh leviticus you know you have all these things lord said to moses and aaron when anyone has a, a a swelling and a rash or a shiny spot on their skin talk about rules 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 and more rules but just to um set the stage before we get into what's really going on here because this is really a joyful passage when you put it in the context of what god is doing uh, remember that um, Leviticus is a love story It's it's the heartbeat of God It's God telling us um, What he desires And he is helping them Break the tradition from all the Ancient nations He's teaching them that he is Very different than all the ancient nations And so um, it gives us a blueprint if you will He gives us a blueprint of the new covenant Of what's going to come When the Holy Spirit comes So remember when God steps in through the law, he's pointing the way. That's what the Torah means. He's pointing the way. So he's very, very redemptive as he steps in. It's no different here with this passage either. So he mitigates those three things. He mitigates evil practices. He introduces human dignity. And he starts the ball rolling. So we can see clearly what's coming in the new covenant. It is no different here. Okay. Skin diseases and mold. Two chapters on skin diseases and mold rules 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 and more rules there's lots of them but one of the things that you're missing throughout all of here there's no fear there's no confession required because it's not related to sin it's related to uncleanness so remember in this section uh, leviticus 11 to 15 we're talking about the purification laws and teaching the israelites what it means to be holy what it means to become priests what it means for god to um allow us into his holy presence. So the categories you got to have you got to understand the categories. You have the holy, that's where God dwells. Then you have the clean, and that's where normal life occurs, and then you have the unclean. And that's what happens when either sin or a defiling disease comes along. And that's not part of eternity. So he's teaching them every step of the way. He's teaching them about Um, what it means to be holy and to live in his presence and how to get there. Okay, so where do we start with all the skin diseases? Let's start with a real simple idea. Imagine just for a second in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned against him if he had let life go on like normal. Just picture that. He let life go on just like it was uh, nothing different. They wouldn't have needed God, would they? So when you go back and you read Genesis 3 carefully, the curse is on the snake and the curse is on the ground. That's where the curse is. Um, And so what he did, what God did by banishing them from the garden feels like a curse. But the reality is it's a very great blessing because if there had been no price to pay, they wouldn't have needed God. They just wouldn't have needed him. And so the, what we think of as the fall, the uh, fall of humanity is actually an act of grace on God's part to begin to give us motivation to want to restore what was lost. I have no idea what it was like for Adam and Eve to be in a great relationship and then in one second to have it gone. I have no idea what that would have been like, but they did. But then Paul goes further, tells us in Romans five twelve that it's through sin that death entered into the world. And then in, in his wonderful passage in Romans 8, he goes even a little bit further. I'm going to read it because it talks about the creation and it sets the stage for understanding the, um, the defiling skin diseases. Romans eight eighteen, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So right off the bat, we know that there's something much better coming for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. That's us for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God we know that the whole creation has been groaning in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who were the, who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. So what's happening in Leviticus 13 and 14 with the skin diseases at one level and the mold on the wall at one level, this is the natural part of being in a broken world. But Paul tells us, That the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, verse 20, but by the will of God who subjected it. So God ultimately is the one who makes all of this happen, all disease, all the molds, all of that. So in the passage today, and I'll come back and defend that statement in a minute. The passage is today, each of these diseases could ultimately lead to death if not dealt with properly. So remember that defilement, the disease, and mold are not compatible with the Holy God. They're not the product of sin. They're the product of a broken world. Um, and so he's going to deal with it, and he's also going to uh, set the stage for something much better. You see, this is not so much about cleansing and purity. This is about the restoration of relationship because anything that defiles us, including sin, but he's not talking about sin here, anything that defiles us, Takes us out of the relationship with hell. Nowhere in these passages is confession or forgiveness required or needed. They are simply unclean and needed to be restored. Now, to make better sense of this, let's take just a moment and think again about the surrounding nations. You see, Israel's neighbors ascribed illness to demonic entities that overtook the body. It's so all around them. That's where they would have come out of, in Egypt. Um, Canaan, where they're heading, they would have understood that. So a healer had to come to exercise the demon, and the demon was thus banished with its illness. So the response in these chapters rejected this belief and set the pagan physician or the magician against the true living God. You see, healing comes from God alone. And that's what he's trying to teach them here, is that healing comes from him alone. Now remember, they're deep in the they're deep in the fall by now. And uh, he's just, for the first time, bringing light into a very dark and broken world. And so he's beginning to teach them the truth, not the falsehood of all the nations. So disease is not a demonic entity independent of God, nor is it a particular ritual intrinsically effective against the disease. It's There just isn't. It they They didn't try to heal. They only returned to the Lord. That's what they did. So while these conditions are a natural fallout of living in a fallen world, there's a much deeper theology at work here, a foreshadowing of Christ. And you'll see in just a minute. But they understood that both disease and healing came from the one true God. He takes credit for all of those. Think about Job. There's a classic example. Oh, Satan may have been the one to do it, but... um, but he did it with God's permission. And at the end of the year, when he was in such pain, God said to Job, would you really annul my judgment? In other words, it was his decision to bring that level of pain and suffering unto Job. He may have used uh, Satan to do it, but that's not the point. He never said that. He took responsibility and said this was his responsibility. But they they understood this. They understood that disease and healing, or that's why he's, what he's teaching them, they both come from God. It's not the result of demonic activity. We have examples in Scripture all over. I mean, think of Miriam, Moses' sister. The, the punishment from God was to uh, make her leprous, uh, to make her a leper, her skin is leprous. Uh, you have King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26. He became too arrogant, too proud of himself, and he had to struggle with leprosy for a while. So in Exodus 15, I'm going to go back to Exodus because now they're, they've just come out. They haven't. Uh, this is in 15, so they're they're not at the base of Mount Sinai yet. But here's what he says in Exodus 15, verse 26. Um, if you this, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all His decrees. I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. There he's taking responsibility for disease right there. It's another place. So we have Mary, we have King Uzziah, and now we have the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. So he claims to be the healer, but he also claims to be the one that brought the diseases there to begin with. Then when you get all the way over to Deuteronomy, now we're at the end of the... Uh, wanderings and they're just about to enter the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 39, he adds something very intriguing here. He says, see now uh, that I myself am he. There's no God besides me, none. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. And no one can deliver out of my hand. That's a very powerful statement. What he's saying is, I'm God, and you are not. And I get to decide who um, I'm going to put to death and who I'm going to bring to life. And I have wounded, and I will heal, and no one can deliver out of my hand. He goes on in that passage and talks about the, um, the, the vengeance that he's going to get on those who continue to reject him and hurt his people. And so both disease and healing come from the one true living God. And that's important to remember. Because all disease and sickness is ultimately an advance toward death resulting from the fall. So it's in our best interest to let it happen. Because if we were never hurting, um, and if nothing ever happened, we would be inclined just to keep going on living life like we are. All week long, um, I have struggled. I have really struggled to breathe. Uh, yesterday, I actually had tears several times. I was remembering being with Judy uh, toward the end when she couldn't breathe. And now I understand why she was so frightened. I ha- I shared that with her. Nancy did the same thing to me that I did to her. She sat with me on the bed. Uh, yes, Nancy has COVID as well. But we're no longer quarantining from each other. <laughs> and she sat there and just brought comfort to me. Um, and you know what? It causes me. It caused me to... Turn to the Lord, and once again, once again, deepen my faith, and and to come to realize that this isn't about medicine, okay? Oh, it is about medicine and science. I, you know, I wear my mask. I thought I was doing everything I was supposed to do, and here I am, sick as could be with COVID. Um, it's more deep than that. This is the Lord getting my attention, and so um, just like when I had cancer a few years ago. I realized this isn't about me. The Lord is using me as a prop, and um, I couldn't wait to get here to talk to you today, even though I'm feeling terrible. So all disease and sickness is ultimately an advance toward death, resulting from the fall. The is the priests, Israel's priests. They never attempted to heal the disease or the cure of the sufferer. That's what the surrounding nation did. What they did was they understood that this was all from God, and so they sought Him. And honestly, that's where our faith should be. I can say this, having been through, I hope, I hope none of you go through what I'm going through. I wouldn't uh, wish this on my worst enemy. Um, and yet, here we are. And they understood that this was from God, and so they sought him. Okay, so the ritual for cleansing... I'm not going to go through all of the uh, passages in Leviticus 13 to 14. You could read them, but they're just ad nauseum command after command after command. But what happens is the ritual for cleansing starts outside the camp because you see when a person was, had a disease, they moved them outside of the camp. They didn't have the same, um, they didn't have the same understanding of medical science that we have today. And that may have been to their advantage because, uh, they they knew that it had to depend they had to depend on the lord completely and so they moved them outside the camp and the priest would have to go outside the camp and lay his hand on them actually look at the skin disease in the hair wherever it happens to be on his body or her body and to make the determination and the person will be unclean for 7 days and have to remain outside the camp so quarantining is nothing new what i'm going through today um, is no different. It's just that we're doing it for 10 days instead of seven days. But hey, if that's what it takes to protect you, I'm more than happy to sit here. Um, I tell my doctors, not, in fact, I told Dan Endershot, it's not every day I get told to sit at home for 10 days. <laughs> I may feel terrible, but I don't get to do that. And so I'm quarantining because that's what's in the best interest of you. And that's what they did. Now that sets the stage for James 5. Because James 5 says, if the elders, if anyone is sick, let them call the elders and they will come out. The elders are to come out and lay their hands on them. That's what the priest did in Israel in Leviticus 13 and 14 here. That's what the priest did. He went out there. It's a sign not only of, hold on, I have my tea just to help. <laughs> Not only was it a sign of solidarity, you see the person that's sick and outside the camp is not alone, Um, but it's also a sign of deep faith that God is the one that made that decision and so they could trust him. And so I'm not not afraid to quarantine uh, to protect you. That's okay. And so in James five, the elders go out and lay their hands on the sick person and anoint them with oil. What a blessing to be in an ancient world, to really have confidence, that this is not terrifying. This is not the result of demonic activity. This is an act of grace to separate you from the, uh, the, the community so that you wouldn't, wouldn't hurt the community anymore, okay? Protect the community. And then God uses it as a wonderful example because now imagine the joy, the priest coming out and um, having you outside the camp for seven days, And then what happens is he comes out at the end of seven days. And if you're still unclean, then he can leave you for another seven days. But as soon as you're clean, he brings you back into the the community. And there's a two-step process to come in. So the first week you're outside and the priest is with you there. And then the second uh, week you're coming back into the community and you offer an offering of thanksgiving to come back into the community with your people. That moves you from the unclean to the clean. And then then when you read, I'm not going to read it to you. You can read it in Leviticus 14. Then they're standing at the tent of meeting or ultimately the tabernacle. And ultimately the priest. This is what Jesus did with the uh, paralytics. I mean, the uh, lepers, when he healed them, he said, go back and um, present yourself to the priest as Moses commanded. And so can you imagine the joy of being outside the tent, um, outside the community while you're unclean. You haven't sinned, you're just unclean. And then the, you wash, and, the, and this idea of washing is all throughout these chapters. Some things have never changed. I've been cleaning my hands and taking steam showers every day uh, to try to get rid of this horrible uh, virus while I'm trusting the Lord. <laughs> and so at the end of seven days, you come back in and you make an offering, and now you're welcome back in community as clean again, And then you get to go to the tent of meeting and go the next step and offer the blood offering to enter into the presence of the Lord. No confession of sin was necessary. There was no fear. There was only the practice of cleansing and reentering the community. So this chapter is not about, it's really, these two chapters are really not about skin disease. They're about how to restore the relationship when you find something has happened. Either God has delivered a disease into your lap, or you got it because it was a natural broken world. They're both happening in scripture, but it's not demonic activity. That's the point. And so God made it possible to uh, restore, to restore that and bring you back into community. Okay, well, what about today? Um, is it always going to be this way? No, you see, this is a picture of Christ. I'm going to read to you the famous passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, about what Jesus went through. Isaiah 53 in verse 4. In fact, I'm going to go back to verse 3. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. That's what it's like when you're outside the camp. You're alone. He goes on. Surely he took up our pain, because I'm confident all these skin diseases had pain. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, and yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, because he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And you see, that's the story of Christ. What Christ did was, Hebrews 13, we'll look at it in just a second. He went outside the camp. He suffered outside the camp, just like these Israelites. And that is where we go to meet him. You see, true worshipers, they know that the ultimate healing comes from God, and that's the primary point of this passage in Leviticus. It's not the result of incantations, witchcraft. It's not the result of demons. It's not the result of sin and fear. It's the result of the Lord teaching us that we need him, and that's an act of grace. Now go all the way back to the garden. If if he had not... If we had not fallen, then we would not have needed God. And so the fall of humanity was the greatest thing that God could do. That's the greatest grace that he could show us if we decided to sin. Because, And they did. Because now we know we can't survive without him. And so these diseases in Leviticus 13 and 14, these skin diseases and molds, they reminded the people... And God used it as an opportunity when he brought it into their midst, used it as an opportunity to teach them that he is the true healer. It's not incantations. It's not witchcraft. It's not demonology. It's not that at all. It's God's grace. That's really what it is. So in the New Testament, what do we find out? Jesus is now healing the lepers, others who suffer from diseases. All people... Uh, are now welcome to be cleansed by the power of the Spirit. And that's what Leviticus 13 and 14 is pointing us toward, is that true cleansing comes when the uh, Holy Spirit comes, Ezekiel 36. And so Jesus, he pictured that, he demonstrated it, he showed us that. So the process of turning to Christ picks up on these themes. So I mentioned Hebrews, when we go all the way to the end of Hebrews, Hebrews spends a lot of time... Talking about the sacrifice of Christ, a whole lot of chapters. But when you get to the very end of the book in Hebrews 13, some wonderful, wonderful words that picks up on the theme right out of Leviticus 13 and 14. He says, I'll start in verse 11. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. We're actually going to look at that after Lent. We get to chapter 16. Uh, The bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. That's what uh, Leviticus 13 is all about. When you have that uncleanness, that defiling nature, you're put outside the camp. And that's where Jesus suffered, was outside the city gate. He goes on in verse 13, let us then go out to him outside the camp. Bearing the disgrace that he bore For here we do not have an enduring city But we are looking for the city that is to come And so Leviticus 13 and 14 Is a picture of of what life is like in a broken world And then when Christ comes and atones for our sin And the Holy Spirit comes and cleanses us Then those two sacrifices are done and guess what? We now stand in holy, a holy place before the Lord. So we're to go outside the camp to meet Jesus. But then once we meet Jesus, the next verse says that even though we're cleansed, we now offer up the same sacrifice of praise. So the very next verse, remember verse 13, let us then go to him outside the camp. That's Leviticus 13. And then 14 of Leviticus 14, he brings us back into the camp. Through Jesus, therefore, that's what Hebrews says, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So what does this mean? Okay, I have COVID. I don't like it. (laughs) And I hope you never get it, especially those of you that have respiratory issues like I have. But I can tell you this when the day comes where I am rendered clean again and I get a green test that says I no longer have it. You can watch me rejoice because it's the same thing that happened in Leviticus 13 and 14. You can just picture them when they got brought back into the camp to be with their friends and to be with the Lord. There's no sin. There's no fear. And this is a picture of what Jesus did for us. He cleanses us. We're not quite there yet, but we are going to get there. So this passage is ultimately about sin and brokenness that comes from the fall in Genesis 3 in order to cause us to depend on the Lord, not witchcraft, not incantation, but to really trust the Lord and point the way so that we can see how Christ fulfills the responsibility to cleanse us. That's why he came. That's what communion is all about. And I wish so much that we could celebrate that together today, but we're going to have to wait until we can get back together. Let me close with this one passage, because this captures my heart of why I wanted to sit with you today and talk about these things. This is first Peter five to the elders among you. I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. You see, we share in the suffering of Christ because he went outside the camp to suffer for us. So we get the privilege of sharing because that that's what drives us back to him is the privilege of sharing in the suffering. And so you basically have a choice as you get sick and as you experience these diseases and things like that. You can live in fear. You can do that. But the problem is that perfect love casts out fear. So if you're living in fear, that means you're just a little bit too far away from the Lord. And so you need to turn back to him. If you're, um, if you're distracted by the anxieties of the world, the politics, that just means that you're a little bit too far away from him. And so you need to step back into the camp and enjoy what Christ has done for you. And so wherever you find yourself, if it's driving any of those anxieties, those fears, those stresses... And I'll be honest with you, I had to struggle with those all week. I had to struggle with them yesterday, and I really had to realize that this is about the Lord. This isn't about me. It's not about sin or any of that. If you go on to 1 Peter 5, hear what he says to the elders, the very next verse. So we're going to share in Christ's suffering so that we can share in his glory. Then he says to the elders, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must. But because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So I get the privilege of being an example. I don't want COVID. (laughs) I didn't want cancer. But um, if that's what God delivers to me, and that's the decision he makes, then I'm going to respond well to it so I can be an example Uh, and show you that, yeah, my body is very weak right now, I can assure you. In fact, in about two minutes, I'm going to go back to bed. My body is very weak, um, but the spirit is strong. And then the last thing he says is, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So if you find yourself afraid, a little panicked, uh, by the way, I just love all of the 100 responses I've gotten so far about my video, and, uh email I sent out for those of you that have been through it, uh, I commend you, and for those of you that haven't been through it, just relax. Okay, wear your mask, wash your hands, do whatever you need to do, but trust the Lord. Okay, and I'm grateful that the God that God has given me a fantastic doctor with good medicine to help me out, uh, but my hope is in Him. My doctor said I hope that the medicine takes effect. In the next couple of days. And I say I agree. And I'm going to add to it. But my confidence and my trust is in the Holy Spirit. He is the one that cleanses us. From all of this mess. And one day. When we get to Revelation. There's no more tears of sorrow. No more disease. No more pain. None of that. It's all gone. And Leviticus 3 and 4. Are the two chapters that set the stage. For helping us understand. What Christ accomplished. So we could go outside the camp. To meet him and then join him coming back in the camp to, uh, to fellowship together with the community of faith and with each other. And I look forward to being back in the congregation with you rather than sitting in my living room quarantined. Father, thank you for being such a great God and for, for not letting us just continue to be happy after the fall. So it would push us to come back to you. Because we may have never have had that need. And thank you for using all of these, these events, these diseases and these circumstances to, to remind us that it's not about sin, and it's not about fear and terror, it's not about demons, it's about you that you really want to heal us. And Jesus, thank you for going outside the camp to suffer, outside the city gate. So we can meet you there because that's where we live. And so that you could bring us into the new Jerusalem. Thank you for that. And where we can enjoy your uh, our relationship with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for joining us today. This concludes uh, the live streaming portion. I'm going to bed. Good night.